Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Despite all the success the Black Crows had, you really dis- the way it's described by you in a couple of interviews, it seems like you guys were a band who couldn't get out of your own way. Like very, very much so. Yeah. yeah, it's just it seemed like you had opportunities for things, and either egos got in the way, or you just didn't want to play that game. Uh, it's both. I mean, we didn't want to play. You know, external things were never the problem. I mean, there were times that we didn't want to play the game, if you will. There were things we were not willing to do to advance our commercial success. And for the most part, those were, you know, if we were all aligned, that's fine. The problems always came from one person or two people deciding they knew better than the group and, and leading everybody off the, off the road into the ditch. And that, that happened repeatedly. Um, you know, as a, as a general theme, at our, greatest, at our greatest operational procedure as a band, when we were the most aligned and the most cohesive, and when we all agreed on things and moved together, oddly enough, we found our greatest commercial success, too. Right. Um, and then when that ended and when that became impossible, the byproduct of that, among many, was that we didn't have the same amount of commercial success. And the truth of the matter is, that would have been fine. I never counted a record or a ticket sale. I, never, I don't know what we were doing business-wise specifically, the, one of the themes of the book is basically it's all about how you can go a lot further together and you can't, you can't get three steps out of the, uh, you know, down the road when you're splintered. And our band was a great example of that. When we, were, when we agreed and moved forward together, the results spoke for themselves. And the rest of the time, it was just kind of a clown car now, with, if, with several different people trying to steer it. Right. Now, if, if say you had played along um, and say... Uh, you pl- and I'm not talking about success necessarily, but I want to talk about the music. So say you guys played along a little more commercially, or maybe you put e- some, some members of the band maybe put egos aside. Would the music have been the same, do you think? I think, I think we could have done, I think we could have made the exact records we made and had it a very different experience. Because, and again, my only, I can only tell you the view from the very inside. And it was fractured and it was it was very tense at all times because there was this constant need for people to be right you know it's more important to be right than successful it's more important to be right than agreeable that's that's the ego thing and and that fuels a a a a, a toxic culture within the band it's like a family you know i mean if you have a if there's and, and there's also addiction which you can't overlook if you have an addict in a family then you are by by nature there's going to be codependency there's going to be secrets there's going to be shame and embarrassment and anger and all of those things that a family then walks out in the front yard and smiles and waves at the neighbors together that's what families do with addiction that's what bands do and that's what the black crows did yeah i i always saw thought of a band like a marriage too you 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 have to pick your battles there's got to be uh, there's got to be compromise. There's got to be sacrifice. And I guess when one person 
Without question, and never an option for makeup sex. So you got to throw that in. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's there's no makeup sex between you guys in the book. No, none of that. Nah. Oh, well. Sorry to say, we, uh, we that there are certain certain Rubicons we were never <laughs> willing to cross. Um, it, it, but no, you know, you mentioned that sacrifice is a huge part of a successful band, like mm-hmm. it is a, a successful part of any group endeavor. And and the problem isn't necessarily in the Black Crows that people weren't willing to sacrifice. The problem is people didn't even understand that concept. Um, you know, I used to say all the time, this is our band. And, and, and I can tell you both brothers looked at me like, what are you talking about? Like, the word ours was lost. When I would get angry and say, this is my band too, they would respond to that. Like, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, there was truly like a blind spot about what it really means to be a team. And and that's the thing that was most astonishing to me in real time and looking back is that we were aligned for the first two albums and and everything went a certain way and we had set ourselves up to be the the leaders of our own destiny we weren't a part of the machinery we could do whatever we wanted and we had established the fact that we didn't have to have people co- write our songs for us we didn't have to have label people tell us how to look. We didn't have to make videos that did a certain thing. We were able to operate under our own set of guidelines, and then yet that still wasn't enough. It still needed to be, you know, egos on display and leadership, and I, you know, you know, there was new visions had to be implemented, and we just stopped working to our strengths. And then, and then literally for 20 years, the rest of us, whoever it was at any given time, were, were spending more of our energy trying to keep the thing moving than stopping you know it's easy to say this in hindsight around 1995 the best thing in the world would have been for everyone to just quit and say goodbye i'm out and then let's all go get help we were all part of that culture we were all in very different ways sick and 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 emotionally stunted and a little bit of therapy or a lot of therapy or a lot of sobriety and just honest conversations about what was going on would have been really helpful and that was just never possible so it's just the classic uh, six, quick success plus drugs plus money, and then that's yeah. the real test. If you can live through that, well, and the band, you know, it, it's it, the band is as anybody knows, it was started originally by two brothers when they were in high school. Yeah, um, you know, as a as a band in Atlanta, Georgia, and their relationship was already when I met them, they were already at each other's throats all the time. That <laughs> wasn't a their their fighting and their resentment of each other over every little thing that was all in play from day one i mean so if what what success did it didn't create that but it affirmed it you know it was a hey you guys are right <laughs> like right don't, yeah. don't change because it worked yeah um, I, I, in a weird way i wanted to touch on a couple things you mentioned you mentioned uh you didn't have to go uh like the record company would tell you what to wear and and stuff like that and and I always was curious why during the in the Southern Harmony album cover everyone's wearing like the velvet bell bottoms, but you're wearing like the classic, like soul singer soul band kind of nice suit, you know press yeah. shirt thing. What what was the what was the uh, the catalyst there? Did you were did they try to make you wear like did the rest of the band try to make you wear the velvet bell bottoms and you were just like nah I don't think so. No, 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 not at all. Um, I think that, uh, <laughs> uh, A, that look is just because I'm so damn cool. I mean, let's that, Yeah, you did look is. damn no, cool, I, man. Yeah. It, you know what it was? was I, um, it was pretty simple. One, I'm, I, you know, I'm 6'3", 
and and I'm about 30 pounds heavier than everyone else in the band. And if I ever did try to wear bell bottoms, I just looked ridiculous. It was not a natural look for me to, to go that way. I mean, I was always wearing, you know, I, I had colorful shirts and good jackets and jeans, you know, like yeah. at, at my most outlandish. But I never went down that road as far as the other guys did. It wasn't, it just wasn't my thing. What happened Actually, it wasn't a by design to do that. I was in Europe at the end of the Shake Your Moneymaker tour, and I had my hair was halfway down my back. And I and one night in Frankfurt, sitting in Johnny Colt's bath uh, hotel room, you know, drunk off my ass, I walked into his bathroom and I saw he had some clippers. He kept his facial hair. He had really interesting designs with his yeah. beard, and so he had. He had like the marine style electric clippers right there, and I took the, the the length guard off, and I just shaved like a reverse mohawk right down the middle of my head, and uh, and he looked at me like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I gotta I gotta shave my head. I'm I'm losing my mind, and I gotta just this is all making me crazy, and I gotta get a clean start." And somehow that made sense to me, and he said, "Well, don't shave at all. Hang on," and and so he had to help me fix it because I looked ridiculous. And so we shaved the front half of it. So I had this, I looked like one of the guys in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, like the Manchurian look from oh, you know, so, 900 years ago. So you had the long so the tail on the back. Half of my head was bald, and then the back was all the way down, to you know, halfway <laughs> down my back. So when I got home from tour, that look went right from, it's kind of funny and people are scared of me, too. I look like a stark, raving lunatic. Right. Now. So I just shaved the whole thing off, and then I kept it short for a couple of years. Well, you definitely look like the coolest guy in the band, to me anyway. And I thought it was cool, not just because so much of the way you dress, but it was just like you weren't going with the flow, and I, I, I respected that. And uh, yeah. and I also wanted to ask, so you, you mentioned that some of the guys in the band wanted to go a different direction. I'm assuming you're talking about Chris, and you wanted to kind of take it in a more improv, uh, kind of Grateful Dead you know, way. And yeah. I, I never really saw the Black Crows, in my personal opinion, as a band like that, you guys were like a full-on rock and roll band. So you came out with Three Snakes, and I remember seeing you at the mosque in Richmond, and you guys were really heavy going off on the improv and thinking, man, this just does not yeah. seem like them, and it wasn't a good night for Eddie. He was having sound problems, and Mark Ford seemed to be playing a completely different song. But then you guys came out with By Your Side, and I saw you open for Lenny Kravitz, and you guys tore into that audience. All hippiness and, and improv was out the window, it seemed. And right. you guys just ripped in. It well, was the, it was know, the best both, time I ever saw those it. Examples, the, you know, both of those shows for the uh, a gig in the fall of '96 and then a gig with Lenny in '99. They both had an air of inauthenticity. Uh, and and the thing was, by our second record and third record, we had found our own place. We were a rock band that could play extemporaneously. We could jam a little bit, and yeah. we had a heaviness that wasn't fast. It was it was deep. Yeah. And and that was something very few other bands had in the world at that moment, that, like to the level we did. Where we got to Three Snakes, you know, and Chris's d- desire, his raging desire to take as much from the Grateful Dead playbook as he could, it was it was very inauthentic. And the band delivered on certain nights wonderful shows, but it wasn't our wheelhouse. It wasn't what we wanted to be doing, and it wasn't, again, us working to our strengths. And for Chris's talk a lot about his vision and him leading, and it was always his vision. The, the truth is, no one else in the band understood his vision. It, it's nothing he could ever out, lay out to us in a linear way that made sense. It was, it, it was the idea of having found 
our own sound and our own vibe and our own everything, he couldn't he couldn't stay in that place. He couldn't understand it and he couldn't sit there. He it's a, it's you know when you don't know what you're doing, you constantly tinker. Yeah. And and the and the strength of the Black Crows was that the band had become a great band, yeah. and it wasn't it wasn't about it wasn't all about him. You know, he was the quarterback, but he wanted to be the coach and the owner and the offensive coordinator too. And he was not suited for those roles. That he went from being, in my opinion, the greatest frontman of his generation to one of just a many great other guys who's trying to be Jerry Garcia at times. I mean, you know, his true greatness and strength was all on display from ninety two to ninety five. Yeah. And I don't think we ever saw it again. So then you go forward a few years after the Three Snakes experience and that was the you know the by your side era was the one time we had no options and where we had a label and we we had to play ball we had to and then he took that way too far in that direction like we were rocking and we were being very aggressive but it wasn't playing to our strengths either it was a little too far in that direction and so you know and even at the time we were aware of that it just wasn't we were just never able to find ourselves, our true selves again. We were set up to be actual, you know, to lead something. And, and that's, that's not something he was able to maintain for very long. And then after that, we were all chasing our own tail for the rest of the run. And along the way, had great shows, made some, oh, yeah. Made yeah. some albums with some really wonderful music on yeah, there. But definitely. it was just never as, uh, as straightforward and as rewarding as it had been when we were all on the same page. Well, Steve Gorman, thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate it. And um, hard to handle the life and death of the Black Crows. You can get it uh, online now. It's available. I can't wait to dig into it. And uh, you mentioned in a Houston, just finally, you mentioned in a Houston Chronicle article that I think I'm paraphrasing here, any Black Crows reunion without you wouldn't be real. It would be more brand than band. Um, sure. Is, has there been any talk about you guys? I have to ask, being a Crows fan, has there been any talk about you guys getting it back together? Uh, you yeah, and the oh, brothers? No, I'm, and- I'm, I'm quite certain you'll see the brothers playing as the Black Crows again. I'm not going to be there. And, and I won't be there for a variety of reasons. First is they would never in a million years ask me. Because if they're doing it, they're not doing it to share any of the money. And, and if mm-hmm. they're doing it, it's out of need, not, not desire. Wow. I mean, they, the two of them have spent the last seven years killing each other. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. ripping each other apart at every opportunity. And now they've painted themselves into their corners and they're going to have to go out and play hard to handle every night. And, yeah. you know, and I, I don't, that's just, that's just as inevitable as the sun rising tomorrow. I mean, that's just going to happen. So that's where they are. And they're not going to have anybody from the band back. It's going to be them. I, I, I don't know this. I would, I would bet the house that it's going to be them and four new guys. And they'll call it a 30th anniversary tour, and it'll be what it is. All right. Well, Steve, appreciate it. By the way, I don't begrudge anybody for making a living playing music. I mean, not on any level. Right. If you can, you should. Uh, But that won't be at all what what the Black Crows originally were set up to be and and all the lip service given to, you know, independence and doing things our way. That goes right out the window with that, that, if they do hit the road again. But, you know, whatever. We all have our lives to live. Yeah, well, everybody's got bills, Steve. There's no denying that. And you got to go out Some there. Some have and... a lot more than others. Too. That's right, man. That's right. Well, Steve, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you taking the time, and can't wait to dig into the book. Thank you. Right on. Thank you, man. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.